Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. Well, if you have your Bible with you this morning, I want to invite you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, and while you're finding your place there in the book of Philippians, I want to just share with you a little story to kind of set up this message today. I'm going to be speaking to you today on the subject of defeating negativity. How many of you find negativity a really easy uh, trench to slide into? Yeah. Uh, one time there was this set of grandparents that every year they would go periodically and visit with the grandchildren and the, well, they, they said they were going to visit their kids, but all of you that have grandchildren, you know literally they were going to visit the grandchildren. And uh, so they would go and they would stay there a few days, several days in a row. And every afternoon, Grandpa would need to go in and take a little nap. So uh, one of these afternoons, a couple of these kids got a little streak of mischief and they said, hey, I think it would be funny while Grandpa's laying there napping if we would take just a little bit of Lindberger cheese and spread it through his mustache. So one afternoon they went in while Grandpa was asleep. They found him there. They took a little bit of Lindberger cheese. And if you're not familiar with that, it's a really smelly cheese. And they spread it through his mustache a little bit. They snickered and scampered off. And a little bit later, Grandpa woke up. And he woke up and he sat there for a minute. He said, thought to himself, he said, man, this room stinks. Hey, get out. I feel like I need a little snack. So he went out to the kitchen, and he sat there in the kitchen for just a minute, and he still wasn't quite right. He said, man, this kitchen stinks, too. I need to go outside. This whole house stinks. I, I'm just going outside and get me a breath of fresh air. So he goes outside, and he stands there, and he draws in a couple of big breaths of that air, and he says, man, hmm, still not right. He kept sniffing. He said, finally, he said, Man, the whole world stinks. <laughs> now, <clears throat> I'm sure this morning, if you're not that person, then maybe you know that person. And maybe at some point in your life, you have been that person. Isn't it easy sometimes just to feel like the whole world stinks? Just life is not going like we want it to go. Things aren't seeming to line up our way. Uh, you know, the trap for which we are most vulnerable a lot of times is the trap of negativity. When things don't go our way, it's easy to become negative. When things go well for others, it's easy for us to become negative. Sometimes when things are going well for us and for others, it's still easy to become negative. Come on, somebody. You know, you ever been around that person? It doesn't matter how well life is going, it's not going quite right still, you know? So we want to we wanna give you some tools this morning to combat that because if we're not careful, the devil can jump on us and strap a lens across our eyes and everything that we see will look like gloom and defeat. We can very readily become that glass half empty kind of person. It seems like no matter how hard we look, all that we can see is the bad in everything or at least the potential for it. I love when I make a plan and I begin to announce that plan and then all of a sudden you have these well-meaning, well-intended family members that want to point out to you, you know, you get your inbox, start stacking up then. Well, have you thought about 
You know, have you considered maybe you ought to think about this or maybe you ought to think about that. But uh, I want to I just, you know, and God bless them, you know, help them to see some ray of hope somewhere in their lifetime. But uh, in the closing verses of the book of Philippians, Paul is giving some, his readers some advice concerning the various aspects of their life. And he tells them as a church body, as the people of Christ, the, that they need to stand in unity, they need to be unified in the Spirit, that they need to be joyful. They need to be a joyful people. They need to be a gentle people. He tells them not to be anxious or to be worry warts. And he tells them to be a people who find rest in the peace that the Lord offers. And then at the, at the close of those instructions, he ends with these words here in verse 8. And he says this, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about such things. Paul is giving us instruction here in the Word as to what we are to meditate on, what we are to allow to occupy space in our minds. And I can hear you right now. I, I, I can't hear your thoughts in this moment because you're saying, well, Pastor, I can't help the thoughts that come into my mind. No, you can't help the thoughts that come into your mind, but you do have discretion and you do have control over the ones that get to stay. Somebody said you can't, you can't help the thoughts you can't, you know, they had that argument. Well, Pastor, I can't help the thoughts that come into my mind. Somebody said you can't help that the birds fly over your head, but you can keep them from nesting in your hair. And the same is true of our thoughts. We can't help the things that come into our mind, but we can keep them from taking up residence in our hearts and in our minds and allowing those thoughts to season our lives. Because if we allow that negativity to season our lives, then we're going to miss out on the blessing and what God is doing in our lives. I mean, if you're blessed people, I'm blessed. You're blessed. We're blessed today. We, you know, I, I forget the statistic now. It's, a, it's an old dated uh, statistic, I'm sure. But, you know, just by virtue of the fact that we have shoes on our feet today puts us somewhere in the top five percentile of wealth in the world. So think about how much more you have than that. You're blessed. You're blessed. Amen. And sometimes the devil can come in and he can put that, strap that lens of negativity on us and cause us just to see everything that's wrong, what we don't have. We get so focused on what we don't have, we forget to be thankful for what we do have. The short version of this is that Paul is telling them to view life and season their thoughts with the positive things of life. In essence, what Paul is saying here is for them not to allow their thoughts and their hearts to be overrun with negativity. So I want to help you with that today and I want to give you some tools, some choice tools to combat the, the thoughts and the spirit of negativity. I believe that negativity is more than a thought. I believe it's a spirit. I believe there's a spirit of negativity that is assigned to your life to, to take away the blessing of God and to rob you of the joy of recognizing what he's doing in your life. Now, 
So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll through this. If, you're, if you'll look at the back of your bulletin, there's actually some notes there. They'll give you a couple of bullet points to follow along with us that you can take home and meditate on these things and, and just kind of remind yourself. And I believe that this is one of those things that you need to, like, this is one of those things like you magnet onto your refrigerator. Okay? You put it there because daily you're going to need that reminder. Every day you're going to need to be, be encouraged as to how to overcome, okay? Number one, the number one way that we can overcome negativity is, first of all, by our decision. We overcome negativity by our decision. You know, they say that life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you, de- how you decide to respond to it. 10% what happens to you and 90% is what you do with what you've been given. You know, some people, there are a lot of people, they just want to blame life circumstance for their dysfunction and their negative attitude and their outlook on life. And they, they can give you a list. They can give you a laundry list and say, well, if I had had a better this or if I could have started off here or if I could have done this or if I'd have had this thing over here, then maybe I could have. And, and the list is really long. And their outlook on life is very negative. But I want to tell you today, it's not as much about your opportunity as it is what you did with it. It's not as much about your opportunity as it is what you did with it. I love, I'm sorry, I love documentaries. Anybody else love a good documentary? Praise the Lord. I am so encouraged right now. But, you know, how many of you have found it true that you're, you're looking at these, um, these life stories of these amazing success stories and you're thinking, man, they, these people, all your life you thought these people must have been born with a silver spoon in their mouth to get to where they're at. But as their story begins to unfold, what you more often than not learn is that they came from some of the most meager and saddest beginnings and, and places where certainly the opportunity was there to fall into that trap of negativity. But a choice was made. A choice was made that says, I'm going to be better than my circumstance suggests. Most people have a negative attitude by choice. A great many of the things that you and I have to deal with in life, along with those things, we have the free exercise of the power of choice. We can choose to be optimistic. We can choose to be positive. We can choose that. There are many things that God has given us the power of free will, the power to decide for ourselves, and attitude is one of those things. I shared with our Wednesday night Bible study just this past week. Uh, Many of you might know that I lost my sister at 48 years, 49 years of age just this past December. And I was talking about going through the process as I was asked by the family to speak at the memorial and uh, probably one of the hardest moments of my life, but still a pleasure, a privilege, a privilege, not a pleasure, privilege just the same to be, you know, asked to do that. And I said, you know, I was going through that process and I figured out that before I could, before I could figure out what I was supposed to say, I first needed to determine what my attitude was going to be about the situation. 
And even though the circumstances are tragic, and you can understand somebody passing away at that young age, even though the circumstances were tragic, my choice attitude in that moment was a choice of thanksgiving. Just to stand there and say, God, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for, for the life that was shared. I'm thankful for the memories. I'm thankful for the experiences. I'm thankful for your grace. I'm thankful for the hope that we have in you. You see, the word of the Lord to his people is this. Deuteronomy chapter 30 says this. This is the Lord speaking to his people. says, this day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Now choose life. We might well uh, put as the synonym or synonymous with that that we would also choose blessing. Choose life that you and your children may live. A very familiar passage of scripture to all of you this morning, Joshua 24, 15. It starts this way. Joshua is speaking to the people of the Lord and he says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Choose. It's a choice. It's a choice. It's a choice. Let me tell you something about life and as it equates to our choices. You will walk through hard times. You will find yourself in difficult situations. It's a seldom celebrated promise of Jesus. You know, we, we, just, we celebrate the promises of God, right? Well, Jesus promised, in this world, you will have trouble. It's a guarantee. It's a promise. But let me tell you something about that situation, that circumstance. Maybe you're facing it right now. You're saying, Pastor, I'm well acquainted with that because I'm walking through it right now. Let me, let me help you here with what you're going through. When you're walking through the valley, when you're walking through the fiery trial, when you're going through whatever it is, maybe somebody's turned their back on you, somebody's deserted you, somebody has spoken ill of you, somebody has just undermined you, betrayed you, whatever it is, you have a choice. And you can choose in that circumstance to be made better or to allow yourself to be bitter. It doesn't, you say, Pastor, you don't know. I, I, it doesn't matter what you're going through. You have a choice. You can allow that to make you better or to make you bitter. Because what you can do is you can learn to draw from the grace of Almighty God that he said would be sufficient for you. You can learn to trust in him. You can learn to lean on him during that time and allow him to minister to your soul and strengthen you and mature you through the process. Or you can fold your arms and turn your back and stick your face in a corner and pout and allow bitterness to take root in your heart. How easy would it have been you see sometimes we just need to concentrate on the promise of God and say look I choose the promise of God I choose what God has spoken of I don't care what my neighbor said about me I don't care what that co-worker said about me I'm choosing right now what God has said about me I'm choosing God's blessing right now. I'm choosing that word that has been spoken over my life. Deuteronomy 28, the Lord says, And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and are careful to observe them. 
How many of you remember Joseph from the Bible in the Old Testament, back in the book of Genesis? You remember that story really well? Joseph had a dream. Joseph had a dream. He began to share that dream with his family. His brothers got jealous of him. They, they turned their back on him. They threw him in a pit. They abused him. They hauled him up out of the pit, sold him into slavery. He went down into Egypt, was traded in the slave trade. And there he was working for a man named Potiphar. And Potiphar's wife uh, set up this situation that, that uh, falsely accused Joseph of something. He landed in the dungeon. How easy would it have been for Joseph to become negative in that situation? To let go of his dream, to let go of the vision that God had given him for his life. How easy would it have been? But yet at the latter part, I told you that you can let life make you better or make you bitter. But at the latter part of Joseph's life, when those 12 brothers are standing, those brothers are standing there in front of him at that point, when all of those guys are standing there, it wasn't 12, I'm sorry. But when they're all standing there in front of him in that moment, this is how Joseph responds to them. And he says in, in Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20, you intended to harm me. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. I'm going to tell you, Joseph knew how to defeat negativity. He knew how to keep his thought process in order. He knew how to stay focused on the promise of God and not the bad report of his surrounding circumstance. You want me to tell you how I know that? Because finally, at one point, Joseph arrives in his life where he's standing before the Pharaoh as the second in command. And he would have never gotten there without a positive attitude, without a positive outlook on the promise of God. Now, let's just set up this scenario. Imagine with me for a moment, Joseph is there in the dungeon. And the, and the cupbearer and the baker come to Joseph and they say, Joseph, we've had a dream. We'd like for you to listen to our dream." If Joseph was eaten up with negativity, I can imagine his response to them. Can you, can you hear it? Can you hear it? Hey, Joseph, we want you to listen to our dream. And Joseph says, dreams, huh? You got a dream? Well, let me tell you about a dream. I had a dream, but my dream has lent itself to my brothers betraying me, selling me into slavery, being falsely accused by an adulterous woman, and landing myself here in this dungeon. I don't want to hear anything about your dream. I don't care about my dream. I'm done with the dreaming business. And I'm going to tell you, if that is the attitude that Joseph had taken... The cupbearer would have never remembered Joseph. He, he would have never stood before the Pharaoh as he was troubled about his dreams and said, you know what, I remember this really negative guy. in the. Uh, I heard he was really good with dreams, but I, I remember this really negative guy that was there in the dungeon with me. Maybe we could haul him out. No, he'd, he'd have, that would have been just a gone. Gone out of his mind. He would have never done that. So the, 
that type of response would have never gained him audience with the Pharaoh. So the question today with regard to being a victorious person instead of a negative person is not what has happened to you, but how will you allow that to affect you? How will you choose to respond to what has happened? And I choose to believe for my life the blessing of God. I choose to believe joy and not despair. I choose to believe the good report and not the bad. I don't deny the reality or any reality with which I'm faced, but I make a conscious decision to believe that God is still on the throne and everything is going to be all right. The second way that you and I can defeat negativity is by our devotion. We defeat negativity by our devotion because if you're going to remain positive in this life, you are going to have to spend time meditating on the truth of God's character how patient he is, how faithful he is, how loving he is, how compassionate he is. You're going to have to spend time meditating on the promise of God over your life, that you have been made more than a conqueror, that you are an overcomer, that you are loved and favored by him. You're going to have to spend more time meditating on these things than you are rehearsing your doubts and fears. You, we have got to spend more time telling our problems how great our God is than we spend telling God how great our problems are. Many people neglect our, uh, their devotional lives. Now, here's the, here's the caveat with that. I believe that we live in an age where we have more availability than ever before. And I believe there's never been a time when believing folks access it so little. Do you, know, do you realize that right here in my hand, I have more information than I had 10 or 15 years ago on my bookshelf. And I can access it in a fraction of the time. All of you, you're, you're sitting here today, you've got 45 versions of the Bible on your phone. We've got to get into that word. We've got to access it. We've got to tap into it because a lack of prayer and Bible reading brings defeat. And you feel, I feel the pushback here. Oh, Lord, pastor's going to a legalistic sermon now. He's going to tell us that we're not good Christians if we're not reading, if we're not praying, that we've got to do a certain thing. This is a message about doing. No, this is not a message about doing. Because let me tell you this. I don't care to argue with you whether or not you can be a good Christian because you have or have not spent enough time praying and reading your Bible. I don't want to be a good Christian I want to be a victorious Christian. I want to walk in victory. I want to walk in the promise that he has afforded me. And I, I'm not going to argue with you whether or not you can be a good Christian, but I can promise you, you will not be a victorious Christian if you don't know that word, if you don't have it down on the inside of you, if you're not in touch with the master, if you're not in regular communion with him, if you're not sure of who you are in him and who he is in you and who he is over your circumstance, then you're not going to walk in victory. 
So we defeat negativity by our devotion. See, many people are defeated and live in negativity because they don't know who they are in Christ and they know little to nothing about the inheritance that they have in Him. They're not well acquainted with the promise. They're unplugged from the, from the power. They're unfamiliar with the provider. See, many people have come to the understanding because of a lack of devotion that they're reliant on their own power, that Jesus saves you and he flings you out here to tend to yourself. But that is absolutely not the truth. There are pro there's promise after promise after promise after promise in the word that he is never going to leave you nor forsake you. Yea, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he's going to be right there with you. He is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He is intimately concerned about you. But I want to tell you something. When I, when I believe that I'm the only one who can provide for those bills on my desk, when I believe that I'm the only one who's going to be able to protect my children, when I begin to think that I'm the only, that that company I'm working for that's on its last, that's laying on the ropes and about to close down, is the only way that I can be provided for, it's easy for me then to become negative. The psalmist said, though, whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. He knew the character of God. He's my source. He's my shield. He's my exceeding great reward. I don't have to worry about that job because I know that God is my provider. If he closes one door, he's going to open a better door for me. If he shuts down one opportunity, that means he's going to lead me to a better one. All right? I don't have to worry about those kids because I know that God is my protector. If he doesn't protect them, I certainly can't, right? You, you have to know who you are in Christ, who Christ is to you, and the victory that you've been afforded through him to be able to walk in peace and affirmation. Devotion is necessary for positive living. Can I tell you that apart from devotion, you have a carnal mind? And the word says, Roman, Paul writes to the Roman church and says, hey, your, your carnal mind, your, your earthly mind, your unconditioned mind left to itself governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God. And it, it can't. We need to have our minds renewed. Later on that same book, Paul's writing here to this church, Romans chapter 12, he says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. How many of you believe that God's will is to bless you? God's will is to give you victory. God's will is to, is to help you. But you can't know that if you don't have that transformed mind. If we're not in prayer and we're not in study of the word. The, the psalmist said, your word, Lord, have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Jesus told his disciples, uh, he says then, uh, Luke chapter 18 says, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they ought always to pray and not give up. Be faithful in your devotion. Keep praying and believing and win over a spirit of negativity. Number three, we can win over negativity by our diligence. Now, I'm going to move fast here, but I want to share this point with you. What I mean by diligence is your stick-with-itness. One thing that I have learned about life is that life is seasonal. 
there are good times. There are some not so good times. There are times of blessing. There are seasons of testing. There are seasons on the mountaintop and there are seasons in the valley. There are seasons when we walk in the light and we see God's hand moving all around us. And then there are seasons when it seems that we're in the dark and we can't see his hand. We simply have to trust his heart. But another thing that I've also learned is that though life may be seasonal, our faith has to be constant. If you're going to overcome the voice of negativity of the enemy, then, then the faith that you have standing on the mountaintop will have to be the same faith for which you contend in the valley. Habakkuk chapter 2 says this, and this is a word for somebody this morning. You've been, you've been waiting on the Lord. You've been trusting God. You've been needing a breakthrough in your life. You've been needing something to come to pass. And you felt like that God was going to do it. You felt like it was on the fringe, but it just yet hadn't come. And the word of the Lord says this. Then the Lord answered to me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come it will not tarry my word for you today is that your promise is on the way your promise is on the way you may be in a valley season right now but your promise is on the way you may be going through a dark place right now but your promise is on the way it though it tarry it will come though you're waiting right now and i want to tell you something when god shows you something on the mountaintop don't let go of it in the valley when God shows you something in the season of blessing, don't let go during the season of testing. When God shows you something in the light, don't doubt it in the dark. Keep hanging on to it. Be diligent in that pursuit of faith. Jude writes to the church in his epistle, and he says this in verse 3. Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. Jude felt a, a, an urgency, a compulsion to write to the church to contend for the faith. And I, I feel that urgency to compel someone this morning to contend for the faith. I feel that urgency. I, I, I thought about it when we were singing that song, There is a Cloud, and it talks about the seed planted in sorrow and the expectation that, that there is to come from that. I believe there's some of you right now that you're sowing by faith in a sorrowful circumstance and you're believing my word for you today is hang on. Hang on. Keep the faith. Be strong. Contend for that promise that God gave you on the mountaintop. Contend for that promise that God gave you in the light, in that season of blessing. See, don't come in here on Sunday and claim your word and walk out those doors and surrender it to the devil the first time opposition comes. If God has shown you something in the spirit, don't give up on it the first time that physical circumstances suggest that it's not coming to pass. Be diligent, hang on to it. Be the same person of faith in the bad times that you are in the good. Continue to speak faith. Continue to speak life. Continue to speak victory. Consistently, diligently, emphatically, affirmatively speak in agreement with the one who calls things that are not as though they are. Fourth and finally, we overcome negativity by his direction. By his direction. You see, many people depend on their own power and wisdom instead of asking for and depending on God's strength and wisdom.
We tend to get bound up in negativity when things don't go according to our plans. Well, many times that's the problem. They're our plans. I, I can't tell you the number of times that I personally, if I can just confess here this morning, I can't tell you the number of times that, that I have in my own mind developed a plan. I, I've come up with this perfect scenario. Didn't, didn't ask the Lord. Didn't, didn't seek his counsel. I was, I was just walking in the anointing, bless God, you know. I knew what needed to be, I knew the best. None of you have ever prayed and suggested to God the best way to handle your life situations, have you? I have many times. We, we know. But there have been so many times that I've made my own plan. And after I've made my own plan, come here and say, God, would you bless what I'm doing? God, I need you to bless what I want to do. And the end of that is always frustration and negativity because we feel like maybe God didn't answer our prayer. Well, maybe he didn't answer your prayer, but maybe in his graciousness and his mercy, he kept you from something you didn't need to begin with. Because he wants us to come to him. He wants us to seek him for direction. Sometimes the reality is that we've never considered God's desires in the midst of our planning. Other times it may be that God in his great mercy has kept us from something we didn't need to begin with. And all we do in turn is complain about it. We never say, Lord, thank you for putting up a roadblock. Because now that you've shown me the right way, I see how dumb my way was. The word says this in Psalm 37, verse 23. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. We can, Proverbs 16, 9 says, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Psalm 32, verse 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Can I tell you today, don't get in a hurry. If you've got a big decision, if you've got a big step in front, you don't have to get in a hurry. Wait on the Lord because He loves you. He wants to direct you. He wants to counsel you with His loving eye on you. Believe that God is directing you and that you're going to win when you follow His leading. Proverbs 3 and 6 says this, In all your ways submit to Him and He will make your path straight. God wants to help you. God wants to help you. You may be in a season and feel like you're forgotten. God wants to help you. You may be in a season and feel so frustrated with your life and where it has led to this point. I want to tell you that God loves you and he wants to counsel you and he wants to lead you to a better place. God wants to help. He wants to lead you. And let me, let me just throw this in there. I've got to throw it in there. When God leads you, sometimes it may be through some rough terrain, but it's okay. As long as he's leading, as long as he's leading, because what he wants to do is lead you to a place of victory, a place of peace, a place of joy. He wants to lead you to a place of his destiny, of his divine orchestration for your life, where you will be the head and not the tail. You will be above only and not beneath.
just a minute. We're going to celebrate the ultimate certainty. As a matter of fact, I'm going to ask our gentlemen to go ahead, or ladies, our servers, I'm sorry. Never quite sure who's going to be included in that wonderful truth, but they're, they're a blessing to us. But in a minute, we're going to celebrate. You say, Pastor, it's, it's hard for me to be positive in such an uncertain world. There, there's so many things surrounding my life right now that are up in the air that I just, I don't understand. I don't, I can't see. I don't know about. Well, I want to give you the B part of that promise that I mentioned earlier. When Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. He follows that very swiftly by saying, but be of good cheer. Take heart. Don't be anxious. Because I have overcome the world. Can I tell you today, he's overcome your problem. He's overcome my problem. He's overcome the difficulties that we face. He is on the throne. He is high and lifted up. He is victorious today. Amen? So we're going to celebrate today because Jesus hung on the cross. And he bled and he suffered and he died. Not so that you and I could live a weak, anemic style of life but that we could stand in the boldness of his finished work and declare, I know whom I have believed in, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to his hand until the day of Christ Jesus. Do you know who you believed in this morning? Come on, church. Do you know who you believed in this morning? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.